0: This is Leah, and welcome to this week's hashtag for Paris Podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in.
1: And so this week we're continuing our series on hope. As we've been getting closer and closer to Christmas, it's it's a series that has helped us deal with the reality of discouragement. And My my intention is not to be flippant, not to just kind of say, hey, listen, we need to sort this out and be more optimistic, because I realize that in life, we all face difficulties. We all face hardships. It, It doesn't matter if you are a follower of Jesus or not. Difficulties don't suddenly leave your life. And so the place I want to land is, where do we find hope in the midst of the difficulties? How do we not allow our difficulties to lead to discouragement and even potentially allow bitterness to begin to grasp our life? And so today, I want to turn again to the Christmas story. And for for some of you, the Christmas story may be familiar. You may know most of the characters. You know Mary and Joseph. You know the baby Jesus. You're aware of shepherds and angels and wise men and maybe even a guy by the name of King Herod. But I want to look at someone who perhaps is too easily skipped over, but I believe is someone who has something significant to teach us. If we do not want to allow disappointments to lead to bitterness and to begin to grab our hearts, because maybe you're someone here today that as you're watching this, you're in a season of disappointment and you can see how far too easily bitterness is beginning to leak into your life. Or maybe you're in a place where something has happened to you years and years ago, a a great disappointment or an incredible discouragement. And if you're being honest, or if you ask the people around you, the bitterness has grabbed hold of you. And so I want to look at this one particular person. Her, Her name is Anna. And to see how disappointment did not produce bitterness, but actually created hope. And so we're going to land at a place where it's about a month after Jesus' birth. And the situation is this, Mary and Joseph are taking their new baby Jesus to the temple as a, as a service, as an act of worship to God and to make a sacrifice. And it's while they're at the temple, they meet Anna. And it's in this interaction, in just three short verses, we see how a significant disappointment in Anna's life did not result in bitterness and what this can mean for you and me let's jump in luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 36 this is what we read anna a prophet was also there in the temple she was the daughter from the tribe of asher and she was very old her husband died when they had been married only seven years then she lived as a widow to the age of 84 she never left the temple But stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. It's here that we're introduced to Anna. In three short verses, we, we, in many ways, are given just an incredible glimpse into her life. One of the things we realize is that she was a widow from a very young age, yet now she was old. Luke tells us that, that, that she had been married only seven years, and then her husband died. And now she was 84 years old. And so when you go all the way back to that point in time, it it would have been a place where where likely she would have been in her 20s, maybe her early 20s or or her mid or late 20s. It it doesn't really matter. The point is this. What a disappointment. What What a place of heartbreak it must have been. She'd been married and things were seemingly going well when suddenly her husband died. Imagine the disappointment of no longer having the one that she wanted to grow old with to be by her side. The seeming hopes and dreams were dashed in an instant. I'm sure for some of you watching today, this is something that is real to you. I'm convinced it doesn't matter whether you're old or whether you're young. When a spouse dies, there is a significant loss there is a a sense of of grief, of sadness, of pain, Uh, wondering why this had to happen and how do you move on. I'm sure all this would have been the experience for for Anna, but additionally, because her husband died when she was so young, she, she would now have to rely upon others to support her. And as we're told, for the rest of her life, she remained a widow never to remarry the second thing we're told is that anna was a prophet now oftentimes when we think of that word prophet we we think of the one who god sends in order to to speak and predict the future to to tell people about coming events which is a portion of what prophecy is but but it's not actually the primary role of a prophet in the bible The primary role of a prophet of the Bible is to remind people of God's goodness in the midst of all of life. Typically what we see happening in the Bible is in moments or seasons when when things are not going well in some of the darker days for the nation of Israel, God's people, God sends a prophet because they have started to to walk away and stray away and God brings a prophet to, to draw them back to remind them again of his goodness and his love. To give them a glimpse of hope. Interesting that Anna was given that role. The third thing we're, we're told about Anna is really how she lived her life. In, in one of the verses it says, She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshipping God. Anna, Anna spent her time focusing and praising and worshipping God which is interesting. You see, when we start with the first place of how Anna was a widow, how her husband died at such a young age, you think there would have been a great sense of disappointment. Yet, yet, the next two things we learn is that she was a prophet. She was actually used by God and that she was someone who did not allow her disappointment to lead her down a path of bitterness, but rather she continued to lean in upon him. She had known sorrow, yet she had not grown bitter. When I think about that in my own life, I often come to a place of of thinking, how do I respond to disappointments? Do do disappointments pull me further away from God, leading me to a place of greater bitterness? Or, Or does it bring me into a presence of worship? What about for you? How how do you respond to to disappointments in the midst of your life? Do they begin to bear the fruit of bitterness? Or do you begin to see it as an opportunity to, to rely more heavily upon God? I think two key words in this passage when I think of Anna is never left. We're told that she never left the temple. I don't don't think this is so much a comment on just how pious or how holy she was, but rather how much she recognized her need for God in her life. Maybe for Anna, in the midst of the disappointment of the death of her husband, she needed to be in the temple every day in the very presence of God so that bitterness would not take root of her life. When it comes to following Jesus, It does not mean that we are immune to sorrow, to disappointment, to grief, but it means that in the midst of living life with him, we we can find a greater sense of hope so that bitterness does not take hold of our lives. When when Jesus offers us this promise of the abundant life, it's it's not a life that, that we're suddenly protected from all the difficulties, but rather it's a life that we can still find hope even in the disappointments. Because in Jesus, our perspective is raised. We're no longer finding our hope in the situations or the circumstances in life, but it's in something greater, in the purpose of God being with us in the midst of all things. The Apostle Paul, one of the great leaders of the early church, someone who would have known disappointment, someone who would have known sorrow, someone who would have experienced grief, when when he was speaking to a group of first century Christians, he offers them these words. In 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 13, this is what the Apostle Paul says. And, And may these words begin to take root in your life. He says, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring him back with him, the believers who have died. The situation for the Apostle Paul is that there are Christians who are struggling with the grief of those that they love no longer being with them. And I love what Paul says. He says, you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Notice, notice Paul isn't saying, listen, in the midst of, of disappointments, in the midst of sorrow, you just need to kind of suck it up. No, he's recognizing the fact that even though we have this hope in Jesus, there's still going to be grief, but it's going to be grief of a different kind. It's going to be a grief that doesn't lead to bitterness. It's going to be a grief that doesn't lead to despair. Why? Why? Because we have the hope of Jesus. The the very hope that, that what raised Jesus from the grave, which did not give death the final word, is the same reality that we will experience when we put our hope and trust in God. It's it's a sense of hope that is not just simply based upon the promise of eternal life, but, but the promise that God is with us, that God is in control, that God has a plan. These are words that would have been spoken after the life of Anna. But Anna must have held to this hope, knowing that even in the disappointment of the death of her husband, that God was with her, that God was in control that God ultimately had a greater plan. And so how did she respond? How did she allow disappointment not to lead to bitterness, but to produce a greater hope? One word, worship. Worship is one of those words that, that may be like, yeah, that sounds very Christian-y. Like, what exactly does it mean? And I think sometimes we, we, we misunderstand what worship is. We, we think we go to worship, or when we sing songs, that is worship, or in church, that is worship. No, 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 no. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is my active response to honor and glorify God in everything. And so, and so we worship God with music. We, we worship God when we pray. We worship God when we give. We worship God when we give thanks. We worship God when we serve. We worship God when we fast. We worship God when we, when we show up to church on Sunday. We can worship God when we pick up garbage off the ground. Worship involves everything. Which I, think, which I think helps us understand that, that when we think of Anna and how she never left the temple, but she worshiped God night and day, it was, this was not just a place, this was a lifestyle for her. Anna gives us such a beautiful picture of what worship is. It's all of life. It's a recognition that, that, that our life is a response to what God has done for us. When we become people who worship God regularly, we begin to go down a path that does not allow disappointments to lead to bitterness. Why? Because I, I don't think it's possible to be bitter and worship Think about it. If you, if you start worshiping God, if you start praising God, if you start looking at ways to, to honor God, suddenly suddenly this, this sense of bitterness or, or resentment or, or anger is, is literally, I believe, going to be pulled from our lives because God's going to be at work in our spirit. But the second thing, and this, this is a more subtle thing, we're going to end on this, is that when we worship God regularly, when we become people of hope, It becomes contagious to others. Remember how I said before, Anna was a prophet, and that the prophet's role was to point people to the goodness of God? So often we think our greatest witness is to, to show people how we have it all together. Or we think our greatest witness of what Jesus is doing is in our moments of success. I don't actually think that's true. I think oftentimes God does his greatest work in us and through us, not in our moments of success, but in those moments of disappointment and distress. People would have known Anna. People would have known her story. Even the young people would have been, there is the older woman. I heard her husband died when she was very young. What a disappointment. That must have hurt. That must have been so hard. Yet, yet look at her. She has such hope. What an impact that would have had. The final line we're told of Anna is that she talked about the child, Jesus, to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She was willing to bear witness to the goodness of God, to the hope that was found in the Messiah. Her disappointment in life did not not allow bitterness to set in nor did it prevent her from worshiping God. Listen, I don't don't know what you're going through. The last thing I want to do is to be flippant. Maybe you're going through a difficult season. Maybe you're in a place of just waiting upon God. But can you see your disappointment as a fork in the road? That we have a choice. Our disappointment, if left unchecked, can lead to bitterness. Or we can choose a different path. We can choose, like Anna, to lean in on God and worship Him. Not not with our perfect lives. Not with necessarily even the right words. but We bring our focus and attention back to God and begin to see how He will plant hope in the place of bitterness in your life. I need this, you need this, we need this. And so the place to begin is in worship, using our lives as an opportunity to praise God. And so this week, this week, when disappointment sets in, use it as an opportunity to step forth to God, to maybe use music. Maybe use prayer. Maybe just showing up to church is an opportunity for you to bring your attention away from the disappointment and bring it back to Jesus. Because when you do, like Anna, it will not only produce hope in you, your hope will begin to leak into the lives of others. Let's pray together. And so, God, I just pray for those that are watching today that they may know that you know them intimately, that, that you know the disappointments or the distress or the discouragement that they are facing. God, may you bring your peace and hope into their lives so that disappointments will not lead to bitterness, but their disappointments will redirect them towards you, to worship you, to focus upon you. For we ask this all, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so and now, may the God of all hope fill you with his goodness, his love, his joy and peace today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen.
0: to our podcast today. We hope that you are encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, Paris Presb. P-R-E-S-B.ca.